Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb Barrett. Today's message is from May 24th uh, from Pastor Dennis preaching on submission to authority as we see it in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 25. I think this is very important for us right now with everything going on. Uh, in our country. So let's take a listen and see what we can see from the Word of God on how to go about dealing with human authority. And I don't know about how you feel at home. Um, I genuinely feel, and I feel this way every week, but I feel more so this week. Uh, I just feel worship this morning was, uh, I don't know how I want to say it, it was different. It was, uh, I just feel like we are, uh, everything is coming together, things are, are working well. I hope at home that that translated well through the screen because here I genuinely feel like we were truly worshiping. And not that we don't any other week and not that we don't any other time, uh, but I just feel like God is moving today. And I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have to look into his word together. Uh, there's a lot to discuss. And so we're going to be moving relatively quickly. So I would ask you to open up your Bibles wherever you may be. Uh, open up your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. We're going to finish chapter 2 today. Um, but as you turn there, Again, that's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. I do want to uh, begin with prayer. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the, the opportunity that you've given us to meet with one another, the opportunity that we have to continue to worship. And, and of course, as we say each week, this is done distanced. Uh, this is done socially distanced. It's being done with us, uh, many, many in our homes and their homes. Uh, but Father, as we do gather, we do thank you for blessing us with the technology that allows us to gather together, that allows us to continue to sing your praises and to hear from your word. So Lord, as we continue our worship this morning, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that you would be honored. There's a lot that we have to discuss today. There's a lot in this passage. And Father, I pray that you would just guard our hearts this morning. Uh, there's as we discuss, there are some things that we've been debating. There are some things that we don't always see eye to eye on. And so, Lord, as, as I read through your word and as I preach the message that I believe you've placed on my heart, Father, I pray that you would guard my tongue, that I wouldn't say anything that would be in disagreement with you or with your word. I pray for our hearts as we receive this word. Father, that we would recognize that there is a clear call for us as believers to be good and honorable citizens and servants. And so, Father, as we get into this text, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts, that you would already be working, that we would be applying these things to our lives, that we would be more like Christ as a result of everything that's done, because we do all of this for you. Father, we lift your praises so that you would receive the glory. We look into your word so that we would be more like your son, thereby re you receiving more glory. So, Father, may you be pleased with all that's done in this place. May you forgive us in the, for the many ways that we've failed you. 
May you use us for your glory and for your honor, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, again, as you are turned to 1 Peter chapter 2, this is a longer passage, um, significantly longer than I have been tackling in the sermons that you've been watching, uh, but this is one massive chunk that has so much for us. And so uh, this week we're going to be looking at the expectations that we have as Christians living out the gospel as citizens and slaves or servants. Next week, uh, next week we, or next time we're in First Peter, we'll, we'll take a look at Christians living out the gospel as husbands and wives. Uh, this passage comes at a very good time, although good is probably not the best word there. Um, because things are difficult right now. There, there is a lot that's happening. Um, but as the world began shutting down, there were and there still are legitimate debates regarding our First Amendment rights and whether or not they are being infringed upon. There are many who believe that the stay-at-home orders have hurt the church. Now, I must say, whether you agree with me or not, that's okay, uh, but I must say that I personally, I cannot fully say that I feel or that I believe my, my rights have been infringed upon. Uh, the stay-at-home order has stopped us from gathering in the church, but it has not stopped us from being the church. And so it has not closed church. It has closed the building. And Lord willing, we'll be open next week. And we're so excited. I cannot begin to explain to you how excited I am to have more folks. Not that these folks aren't fine folks. But more folks is better. Um, but with that being said, there are many who believe that their rights have been infringed upon. What we're going to look at today, we're going to see that our responsibility as believers is to be obedient. We are to be obedient to the human institutions that were placed around us. Uh, here in Hawaii, that means that we need to adhere to our local, state, and national elected officials and, and the orders that they have given. And I say this in all love, and so please hear my heart and what I'm about to say. Uh, there are many fights that we can and should be waging as believers. The argument about what's been happening right now for us, and I'm not talking about around the world or even around the country, but here at Mililani Baptist, fighting the battle of whether or not our rights were infringed with this order, that is not the fight that we need to be fighting right now. Um, that is not where we are. Uh, the obvious retort to that could be something along the lines of, well, if we allow them to push us on this, then what comes next? And again, hear my heart in this, and I can tell you, I, I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what the next push will be. But what I can tell you is I'm fairly sure that it won't be to the degree or the extent that the believers that Peter was writing to had been dealing with. Uh, we are being commanded to obey our government. We're being uh, commanded to follow Scripture and to be wise, good, prudent, honorable citizens. We are not dealing with anything close to what the believers in 1 Peter's day were dealing with. As they were being told by Peter to obey the very same government that was systematically hunting down and persecuting them. If they could be commanded to follow what the government says, 
certainly we must also look into what Peter is saying. We are to submit to the government as well. Uh, so all, all I'm saying is that we need to have perspective, especially during these times. Because I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, when the government forces us to do something that defies Scripture. Um, I'm not talking about the, uh, the government leading us to do things that we know goes against God's commands. Uh, the requirement to wear face masks when we're in public, the requirement to be socially distanced when we're around people who aren't from our family, the requirement to wash our hands often. These are not infringements to the degree that we ought to rise up and engage in civil disobedience. There are certainly times for that. Peter understands that. Remember, Peter is the one who engaged in social disobedience when he cut off the guard's ear. Uh, when they tried to arrest Jesus. Um, he knows well now, at the point that he's writing, there's a time for fighting and there's a time to put the swords away. Uh, we need to be the church. Uh, we need to continue moving. And so please allow me to say this and we'll move on to our text. Uh, we need to be careful to understand that our American rights were never meant to be more important to us than our biblical mandate to be obedient and to follow Christ and to honor him as our Savior. The government here, at least, has not canceled church. They have stopped you from getting together physically in person. And yes, that's true. And yes, the next obvious answer to that would be, well, Hebrews says not to forsake the gathering together of believers. And the church is not able to do this. And I would venture in the Zoom meetings that I've been in, the classes I've been in, the virtual services that we've been a part of, they haven't stopped us from gathering. Physically, yes, but they haven't stopped us from doing what we were called to do. And since that verse comes up so often, that really excites me that we're able to get back together starting next week. Because yes, Scripture does command us to not forsake the gathering together of believers. And when believers gather together, service is required. So we shouldn't have any problems getting people to sign up and show up for different events and different ministries because we've been away for a while. It's time to get back to work. We have been able to gather. We have been able to live out our calling. We have been able to be the church. It just looks different than it has for a very long time. And maybe, maybe it should. Maybe it should look different. Uh, we're going to look at this passage now and we're going to see what we are actually called to be doing as the church and not just at the church. So read with me, uh, starting in verse 13, as we read through for context, I'm going to read, uh, I want to look at the entire passage, but for the sake of the first section, I'm, I'm going to stop halfway through, uh, but we will move through the entire passage as we continue, starting in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, Be subject to the, excuse me, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to, those, and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. 
verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. We're going to stop there. The passage obviously continues, but we're going to stop there for just a moment. Peter kind of makes a nice break for us in this section. Now, after beginning this in this overall section, which really runs from chapter 2, verse 11, all the way through to chapter 4, verse 11, he, he began by reminding believers to abstain from their fleshly desires, their fleshly lusts, their fleshly passions, and to maintain honorable conduct among unbelievers. Peter now takes that a step further as he begins explaining that Christians ought to be submissive to civil, civil authorities. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And in this marvelous section of the passage, we, we, we have a, a wealth of information here. And uh, the way that I want to look at this is just by asking six questions. I want to ask questions that are answered in this text. Uh, I want to ask, what exactly are we being told to do? For whom are we being told to do this? To what extent should we be doing this? Why should this be done? In what spirit should we be doing this? And practically speaking, how are we to carry this out? Um, I know that's a lot of questions. We're going to go through them one at a time. So what exactly are we being told to do? Quite simply, submit yourselves to human institutions, to the civil authorities. Submit yourselves to them. Again, Peter is not talking about when the government requires us to do things that go against our faith. Governments were put in place for a reason. They are not perfect. I think I can hear the amens virtually there, but... Uh, Civil authorities are obviously not perfect. They are human institutions, but they were placed there by God. Uh, we know this from elsewhere in Scripture. Hebrews and Romans both talk about uh, authorities. Uh, we know that these authorities have been placed in our lives for a reason. Peter is telling us, be subject to them. Submit yourselves to them. For whom are we doing this? Why, or not, excuse me, for whom are we going to take place? And, and what purpose does this serve? Well, look again at verse 13. Be subject, why? For the Lord's sake to every human institution. Who are we doing this for? We're doing it for Jesus. We're doing it to honor Him. We're doing it for our Heavenly Father. We're doing it so that He receives glory as we remain obedient. To what extent are we to follow this out? He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Every authority that you have in your life, you are required by God to submit yourselves to their authority. Why? They have been placed above you for a reason. They may not be um, treating you well. They may not do things with your needs in mind. Matters not. We are called to continue to be good citizens. Now, of course, again, there are times when we are required by our conscience, by Scripture, to stand up and speak in opposition. There are definitely clear times for that. The social orders, the social distancing orders, rather, 
I don't feel that this is one of those times. Uh, but we are to be subject to all human institutions. Why should this be done? What does this produce? Well, simply put, it's because it's the will of God that by doing good, you silence the ignorance of foolish people. Charles Ryrie taught that Peter believed that there was a proper place for civil disobedience. However, um, it is in any occasion when the laws of human government make it illegal to obey God, such as a law that forces Christians to violate their conscience, making, forcing them to have abortions or, or to worship a different God than the biblical God. So there are certain times, however, that Peter does understand that there needs to be a level of social disobedience. This is not that time. However, um, in such a case, we are required to obey God rather than man. We should also realize that in disobeying the law, we will probably have to bear the consequences of disobeying. So even though we're called to follow God first and foremost, there will be consequences. Um, They may involve a fine, imprisonment, or even death. We recognize that. So there may be a time and a place for civil civil disobedience. I don't believe this is that time. Uh, If you go out and you decide you're not going to follow the social distancing order, you're not going to follow the quarantine restrictions, you're not going to do what government called you to do, I don't know that you can then turn around and, uh, and complain about being persecuted. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Uh, John Whitmer once said, ever since Christianity was first preached, the Christian citizen has been a puzzle both to himself and to his rulers. By the elemental necessities of his creed, he has been a man living in two worlds. In one, he's been a member of a national community. In another, he is the member of a community taken out of the nations. In one, he has been bound to obey and enforce the laws of his state. In the other, to measure his conduct by standards not recognized by those laws and often inconsistent with them. This dualism is made tolerable only by the prospect of a reconciliation. That prospect is, again, an elementary necessity of the Christian creed. Somehow, somewhere, the conflict of loyalties will end. This kingdom of the world will pass away and the kingdom of God will be established. When we follow Jesus and honor our civil authorities, the legitimate, the, excuse me, the illegitimate talk, the slander that we discussed last week will have no basis. We are to be honorable citizens. Quite frankly, it's confusing to people, but that leads to questions. That leads to that leads to them asking us why we do what we do, why we are different, why we continue to support and honor um, an institution that clearly doesn't hold the same values that we do. Well, it's there that there are opportunities to share the gospel. It's in those questions that we have the opportunity to share the hope that lies within us. The next question is, in what spirit should we be doing this? Ultimately, we need to do it with a positive attitude, knowing that we're free. We're free in two ways here. In this passage, we're free from being obligated to earn God's approval, but rather serving Him knowing that we are already saved. And so we're not commanded to obey 
civil authorities so that God will love us more and thereby save us. Um, Again, Peter is not preaching some sort of works-based salvation uh, in any way. We're also also more free than any non-believer simply because the weight of sin has been removed from us. We are not bound to sin any longer. And there has, therefore, as believers, we are free to serve God with our whole hearts. But we're also, in a sense, not free in two aspects. We're not free to continue living as we please in opposition to the gospel. We're also not free to use the liberty that Christ won for us to continue sinning. So we are free to serve him. We are free to do what we were called to do. We have the freedom to obey. And finally, practically speaking, how is this to be done? Well, it happens in four ways, and Peter gives them to us in verse 17. Now, I know we're moving awfully quickly here, but thankfully Peter took notes for you. Again, it's in verse 17. Um, so let's look at those four things. First, honor all people. This doesn't mean that we completely tolerate everything that happens. But it does mean that we show every single human being respect. Um, Every single human being bears the image of God. And we are called to honor them as such. We may not agree with other people. We may not particularly like other people often. We are called to respect all people. doesn't matter where they come from. doesn't matter what they look like. And it doesn't matter what they talk like. We know that if they're human... They bear the image of God. We're to honor all people. Secondly, we're to love the brotherhood. We shouldn't be fighting with one another. I notice there's a lot going on on Facebook, people that agree with what's happening, people that disagree with what's happening, and there's unfortunately not an awful lot of unity being displayed among Christian circles. We're arguing with one another. We're fighting with one another. I do believe that there are debates that need to happen. I think we need to be careful about how we have those debates and in front of whom we have those debates. Uh, We need to be careful to show unity. We should love the brotherhood. We should be finding unity in love, caring for one another. The New Testament is full of commands for believers to love one another. We ought to love the brotherhood. Thirdly, we are to fear God. We are to love, revere, honor, and trust God. He is our Father, and He has commanded us to obey. Keep in mind, He is the one who placed the institutions in our lives. First Peter tells us that we were placed where we are under the authority that we are for a reason. God is telling us to obey and to serve well. And finally, honor the King. Now notice, he says, fear God, but he says to honor the king. We ought not worship our government officials. I'm going to say that again. We ought not worship our government officials. It doesn't matter what party they're from. We need to be careful to not make idols out of our elected officials. That doesn't mean that we ignore them, however. We are commanded to show respect whether we like the president, the current president, or former presidents, we are called to respect our authorities. We need to do that well. In Peter's letter, as well as in Romans 13, and even through the words of Jesus himself, as as Pastor Caleb read this morning, 
we know that we are commanded to honor and to render unto Caesar what is due to Caesar. We are commanded to give unto the government what is the government's and to serve God well. So through honoring all people, loving the brotherhood, fearing God, and honoring the king, that's how we live out these commands. Now obeying these commands shows our faith to be authentic. It gives us credibility. We shouldn't just mope around and and whine about how oppressive the current orders are. But rather, we should continue to do what we were called to do while showing honor to the very ones that God has placed above us. Our faith is recognized as legitimate when we choose to live as obedient citizens. Now, Peter didn't want us to just live as obedient citizens. However, he also wanted us to be submissive servants and employees. In that time, the slaves he was speaking to were those who served in the household of their master. All throughout the Roman Empire, there were various levels of slavery. Much of the New Testament was written to slaves, and it tells us that much of the church at that time was made up of slaves, as much of the Roman Empire was made up of slaves. Peter, however, does not address masters here. And the reason for that could simply be that there weren't many masters who were also Christians in the churches that Peter wrote to. Paul addressed masters, but here in Peter's letter, we only see a mandate for the slaves to to submit themselves. So we're going to look at that section quickly, Uh, and I I know there's a lot in this next section, uh, verses 18 through 25, so we're going to break this down into chunks as well. Uh, Go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you, excuse me, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. In the first section of the second half that we're looking at, uh, the the total passage, we we recognize Peter is referring to slaves. Uh, We see that Peter tells them what they're expected to do and why. So similar to this first section, we have a very similar pattern. Why, or excuse me, what are we supposed to be doing? Why are we supposed to be doing it? Um, So what exactly are they told to do? Keep in mind, they being first century household servants and by way of application, modern day employees. Simply put, obey your master or your boss. Obey the authority that you have over you. Look again at verse 18. Those words, be subject to. Once again, it means to submit yourself to. And just in case anyone was hoping for an escape clause here, Peter makes it very clear. 
submit yourselves, uh, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Look at what he says, not just to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Someone might say, well, pastor, my boss is a real jerk. It's, you don't understand what it's like. Well, honor him or her with all respect, Peter says, and in doing so, you show respect to God, who, as we've learned already, has placed you right where you are for a reason. So yes, God knows what you're dealing with. He understands the struggle. The command remains. Continue to honor and respect the authorities you have in your life. Why? Why are these slaves, these servants, why are we being commanded to do this? As Peter has been explaining, Christians are given a new identity at the moment of salvation, and there is suddenly something very different about them. The world is watching, and quite honestly, the world is hoping for us to fail. When we are obedient in the face of opposition, when we are faithful in the face of discouragement, when we are submissive in the face of harsh overseers, those around us will see that testimony. They will see that testimony and it adds credibility to our faith. This is incredibly hard to do. And trust me, it's a grind for sure. It, it wears you down. It is hard. But look at what Peter says in verses 19 through the first part of 21 again. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin you are beaten for it and you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. We're going to stop there. The phrase for this is a gracious thing is often translated for this finds favor. In other words, God is pleased when believers remain faithful and continue to serve humbly and submissively. We know that because of passages like 1 Samuel 15, Psalm 26, Psalm 36, and New Testament passages like Colossians 3 and James 1. Uh, we recognize that it is pleasing to God when we remain faithful, even in the midst of trials and struggles. In a much greater way, however, when someone suffers unjustly and yet endures, God is pleased. Make no mistake, God is not pleased that someone is suffering unjustly, but rather that despite the unjust punishment they are receiving, they stand firm in their obedience, their humility, and submission to authority. If you sinned and are being punished for it, what credit are you due for that? You know, it, it's awfully awkward to be like, I know I did something terribly wrong, but I've been really good in jail. Great. That's fantastic. You, the consequences are deserved. You did something horrible. But yet, if you did well and are still being forced to suffer and you remain faithful and endure, that, the fact that you continue to endure, is what is pleasing to God. In all actuality, Peter says, it is what you were called to do. Do not be disheartened, however, as this is very difficult to do. It's not, that we don't it's not like we don't have a prime example for us. Look quickly with me at the second half of verse 21 uh, through the end of the chapter. He says, 
Peter continues, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And it continues on where he did no wrong. He did not sin. He was mistreated and he didn't mistreat people back. Uh, and the, the passage continues, that word because, uh, the second half of verse 21, because Christ also, uh, another word for that is for Christ also uh, he suffered for you. He left you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus did nothing wrong, ever. Not, not just at work, not just as we think in this quarter or just this season or just this year. He never messed up. He never made a mistake and he never sinned. He never shirked his responsibilities, we who complain often about work, we can't fully say the same about ourselves. We are not perfect. We make mistakes. Jesus didn't make mistakes and he suffered. When he was beaten and abused, he didn't fight back. When he, he didn't threaten. Instead, he continued to commit himself or, or uh, hand himself over to God. Verses 24 and 25 are a very clear callback to Isaiah 53, which we looked at on Easter. While we were running away from him, Jesus came to be our payment for sin. He came to take our burden. He came to die in our place. And that wasn't all he did, though. Jesus also showed us clearly how to live obedient lives. He showed us how to live obedient lives. And in doing so, he's been calling back all we who, like sheep, have gone astray. We are returning to him, and there is work to be done, not for salvation, but because of salvation. So once again, and very quickly, how do we apply this to our lives? And we're going to return back to verse 17. Uh, again, the four things, to honor everyone, whether they're a good neighbor, whether they're a good boss, whether they're a good superior or not. Love the brotherhood. So second, love the brotherhood. Let the world see the unity that we have and that we share as believers and love one another. Whether you agree or disagree, politically or theologically, if we are of the family of God, we ought to love one another. Honor, or excuse me, fear God. Third, fear God by loving, revering, obeying, pleasing, and trusting Him. Honor the emperor or the king. Whether it's the president, the governor, the mayor, your boss, a teacher, a professor, a parent, etc. We are to respect them for they bear the image of God. And the same God who saved you for this work uh, is the God who placed them in your life. Uh, he saved us by sending his own son to die for us. Uh, we can certainly trust him. So as good citizens, we will continue to follow the rules. We are excited about getting back together, uh, and as of next week, we, Lord willing, will be having in-person services again. We'll be sending out plans later this week detailing the slow, open approach that we're taking as we want to be safe and make sure that we follow all of the guidelines as good citizens. Uh, things will have to look different for a while. Some things may never look the same. Lord willing, however... Our new normal will consist of us, Mililani Baptist Church, this body of believers who seek to glorify God with a passion for Him and a compassion for people, 
living out the Great Commission as citizens and servants who honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. There's a lot of work to be done. We can't do it alone. We need your help. We need to band together. We need to continue serving. But what's happening in our country right now is not a surprise to God, and it shouldn't be a surprise to us. The difficulties that we face as believers living in a fallen world have been experienced for many in a much greater way ever since Jesus ascended to the Father. We have a clear call to remain obedient. The next section we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about husbands and wives, but uh, Peter is explaining how this new identity looks as Christians among the social order. Um, this section that we looked at today, as citizens and as servants, we are called to honor and obey. May we do that well. I had a pastor, a friend, uh, who used to close out every service, and I think you've heard me say this before, he used to close out every service saying, you are the people of God, now go and live like it. You are called to be good and honorable citizens, now go and live like it. Father, I pray that you would help us to honor you in every way, that we would be wise about when we choose to be disobedient, that we would have discernment, that we would recognize when it is the right time for us to make a stand. Father, right now there are many that are hurting, there are many that need hope, and our rights truly are not being stifled here. There may be those around the country that, that could beg to differ, and they might be right, uh, especially in certain places. But Father, here, right now, you know our situation. You know where we're at. Help us to remain obedient. Help us to remain submissive in a way that glorifies and honors you. Help us to be wise and to help one another to remain accountable. Father, help us to serve you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I pray that this message was edifying to all of you that tuned in. If you have any questions or comments about this message or any of our messages, or you have suggestions or questions for us to address in future podcasts, please email us at pastor at mbaptist.org. If there's anything that we can be praying for you uh, about right now, please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org. And that's not just for our church family, but that's for our audience at large. So if there's anything we can be praying for you for, please let us know. For more information on Mililani Baptist Church, please uh, just head over to our website at mbaptist.org, uh, where you can learn about our ministries. You can uh, see some of our sermons there. Uh, or follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us today, and please join us next time.